Hi, I'm John. And I'm Cecilia. Welcome to Crazy Cat Paranormal Speaks. Hey, Crazy Cats. Welcome to part two of our Friends and Neighbors episodes. On today's episode, we have two very spooky stories for you. First up is Phil, and he talks about his really scary experiences while he was in the military and stationed overseas. And Gina, who seems to have lived the paranormal life very reluctantly as it followed her all the way to Greece. So sit back and grab your tea and your comfy blanket and have a listen. Our next caller is Phil. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you. Thank you. Want to tell us a little bit about your experiences? Yeah, I guess my story kind of is I was in the Air Force and one of my, one of my I guess my second base, I, I served four years in the Air Force. And so my second base was um, a Royal Air Force base in England uh, called RAF Upwood. And we, you know, I guess being single, we, all the, pretty much all the single people go to, um, it's kind of a big communal dorm. So I guess the best way to describe it is imagine a, a tiny hotel where there's, you know, 12 doors that open to one hallway hmm. and there's, a, there's only two stories. And so there's, there's kind of like, if I remember correctly, it was like three, three bedrooms and then a break room and then another three bedrooms and then on, on, on each side of the hallway. So there's six on the bottom floor and six or so on the top floor with a game room in the middle of both. Right. And at the end of this building are, are, are the exterior doors. So you, you kind of come and go out of the side of the building. Okay. And because I was only in the air force for two, two years at the time, I, I had to share, I think almost everybody, unless you were a certain rank had to share a dorm room. And these were kind of I guess I'd consider it kind of extra large dorm rooms. And so, you know, I had been there. I served two years at that base, but about maybe halfway to two thirds of it, they, they were, they closed down this dorm and moved everybody to kind of a, a sister base, which was uh, 10 miles down the road called REF Alkenberry. And so this was a converted World War II uh, Air Force base. Uh, the Alkenberry was right. Okay. And the dorm that we were in, people had been there for years before I got there. Right. And so I had a situation happen in my dorm room and, and I kind of, I guess I'll say I freaked out a little bit about it and was telling my other air force, you know, peers and they go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh yeah. And I go, what do you mean? Like, what's the situation? They're like, everybody's had something happen to them here. Oh, that's reassuring. And so I guess it was, I guess it was kind of like scary and frightful to me, but once you hear everybody else's stories, you kind of have, okay, okay, there's, this is not as scary, I guess, as, as it, uh, hearing other people's stories, you know? So I guess it helped, it helped reassure me that I wasn't being targeted by some, you know, omen, bad demon spirit or something. So I guess to describe it the best way is I basically went to bed. I mean, it was like I was sleeping. And I just got a really creepy feeling that somebody was watching me. Ooh. And and I also need to tell you that there's these uh, curtains are like, I guess it's just kind of military issue. I don't know how to describe them. They're almost like they're like the Vegas curtains, you know, that are completely blackout curtains. Oh, oh you mean on the on the exterior windows? So our curtains were completely blackout. So you can't see. You basically have to pull the string to, if you wanted to see outside. Oh, OK. There's gotcha. that much you know, blockage, I guess, of the, of the fabric or whatever. Um, so 
I knew somebody couldn't be watching me from outside the window, right? Because I would any if the blinds were open at all, you'd see light from the exterior building light. Yeah. But I could sense somebody was watching me. And so I lifted up out of bed and I looked at, you know, the dorm room, you know, you gotta remember everybody's kinda eighteen to thirty years old. And so obviously pranks happen and there's goofing around oh, and stuff. I'm sure, so I didn't yeah. know if somebody had snuck in, right? So that was my first thought was somebody's watching me. Is it one of the guys or so trying to pull a prank on me? So I sat up in bed and I looked at the door to my, my dorm room and my, my roommate was uh, gone. So he wasn't in the room that weekend. And so I'm sitting up and I'm looking and it's pitch black. Just imagine like even my own bedroom now has, there's light that comes in. There's ambient light that comes in. Sure. These dorms rooms, when, that, when those windows were closed, there was zero light coming into this room. And so when I sat up in bed, I looked and there was, only way I can describe it is, there's, there's the color black, and then there's a source that's darker than black. And I could see a shape that was darker than the pitch black come from the door over me, over to the bed, and then it, it came straight up, in, like face-to-face. Wow. Yeah, wow. And I could clearly, distinctly see it's a head. It was, it was a human shape, you know, completely human shape. And it caught right in my face, and when I, you know, I'm not, I guess I'm one of those guys, if you're, if you're scared, you kind of talk yourself into being tough a little bit, you know, like, yeah. so I'm sitting there saying, my brain, my brain is saying, you know, swipe at it, you know, get, you know, clench your fist and punch at it. I guess all I can say, is there's probably a thousand things running through your head when something like this happens, but yeah, all at my, once. my, my mind, my, my mind was working and I said, clench your fist and, and basically kind of punch at it or to push it away. But I was completely paralyzed. I could not move. Oh, it was, it was complete fear. It was fear had overtaken me. And I've never had that fear happen before that point or after that point, but I was completely paralyzed from doing anything. That's a deep rooted fear for sure. Yeah. And this block, I'll call it, I recently found there's a, there's a color called, I think it's called phantom black or Manta. I think it's called Fanta black. And it's, it's a black that absorbs any reflections. And they started doing cars in this Fanta black. And it's a weird thing, but that's the closest I can explain. Right. Devoid of all light. There's just no reflection, no light, nothingness. There was nothing, but it was very, very clear that it was kind of like, it's almost like taking a black piece of paper and putting it on top of charcoal. It was that clearly different. Right. But it was in completely pitch black. So it was just a weird situation. And so... This this human face got in my got literally inches away from my face, and that's where kind of once I realized I couldn't move and I was completely vulnerable, I closed my eyes trying to kind of build the courage, you know, just like I was like, okay, this is in my head, you know, maybe it's just, there's no way this is happening, you know, and so. I, Phil, yeah. what you're describing with that blacker than black and all that stuff isn't, you know, understanding rods and cones and the way the human eye works and, and the brain receives the information and all that stuff. It seems more to me like that's something you're receiving more on a spiritual level, not something that you're seeing with your actual eyes. Um, when you closed your eyes, did it block out the vision or did it remain? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, oh, it was, well, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't know how to answer it but i knew when i closed my eyes it was it did not move a bit i could sense it was right so scared like i it, it was i mean it was an inch away from my face right oh, yeah. so even though i closed even though i closed my eyes there was 
a thousand percent certainty that it had not moved at all. Wow. And it was, it, it was not intimidated. It was not, it was not, you know, shying away from trying to intimidate me, whatever it was. And so when I closed my eyes, I want to say probably I tried to do a 10 count in my head. And when I got kind of close, I was building the courage up, right? I, it was really strange, but I, even though I was saying, put your eyes early, don't be, you know, tough enough, you know, this is, what are you, you're scared, <laughs> you, there's nothing to be scared of, like, you know, trying to, like, psych myself up, it was just so difficult. It was almost like slow motion, like, just trying to figure out how to get the courage to open my eyes back up. And so when I opened my eyes, it was still there, but it moved back to the door. Oh, thankfully. So, yeah, and so then I think, okay, what the heck just happened? I got, I, you know, I'm like the hair standing up in my arms, just kind of telling it, but it was the same thing then. I was like, something freaky just happened to me. That's all that happened in that experience, right? Fast forward a couple of months, me and my roommate are asleep in, the, in, in our dorm room. Same room? And same exact room. And our room was on the corner. So if you came out of our bedroom and took a right we were next door to that exterior door that I mentioned are at the end of each hallway. Right. Um, and we were on the bottom floor. We were on the bottom floor. So as I'm sleeping, I wake up and there is just the most intense light, uh, light coming through that window. I told you no light comes through. Yeah. There is the most intense. It's it, all I can say is that my initial thought was there's a bonfire, a you know, something is, it wasn't a light on. It was clearly that, you know how, like when you watch flames through a window mm-hmm. or a reflection of a fire, like on a fire pit or something like that, yes. it, it, it kind of, ha- it, it has varying intensities yeah. of that orange light. And this was times a hundred. It was that, it was a major, major, uh, you know, light, light intensity. Right. And so like almost like a gasoline fire burning out of control or something. Exactly. Or some bomb or something had gone off or something, but I didn't hear anything. There was no sound. I woke up and it was just flashes of light, major flashes of light. So then I go, so I look up and the blinds are closed. Oh, there's, there's no, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's flashes of light coming through the blinds and I'm sitting there thinking, Okay. Okay. This isn't. This is. This can't happen, right? No. The impenetrable blinds. <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, right? But even to myself, as I was looking at it. So then I got up, and this is in the winter, uh, by the way. So I get up. My roommate's asleep. I can, you know, but I, 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 I get up out of my bed. I go over to the window, and I can see these flashes of light coming through. But I move the blinds, right? So I, I pulled the string and moved the, the blinds over. And as I look out the window, there's a, I'm trying to remember what this building was used for. I, I want to say it was like a, it's one of those like weird shaped buildings. Uh, it's, um, it's like uh, 40, 50 feet long. It almost looked like if somebody covered up a trailer or something like a, it was one of these weird shaped old style military buildings that has like a dome top on it. Quonset hut. That's called a Quonset hut. Um, okay. Those were commonly used in in the military it's like a almost looks like a hoop greenhouse except made out of metal yeah exactly yeah it was clearly rectangular with us with a kind of oval top roof on it yeah, yeah and so i i wake up and i look and that that building and i'll i'll call it in real life is a hundred yards away from my window in that dorm room so when i move the blinds and i look out i see that building is completely exploded and and fire and and 
it, like it was bombed. Like somebody had just bombed it and, and it, it had exploded and it was on fire. Wow. And that is the light source that I saw coming through the window, right? Right. So I wake, I'm like, oh crap, this, you know, I'm, at that point I'm thinking the, it's on fire, right? So I jump out of bed. I wake my roommate up, whose name's Randy. I say, Randy, wake up. And I run out to the hallway banging on my my next door neighbors, you know, down the hallway, you know, hey, the building's on fire next door, the building on fire next door. After I banged on three or four doors, I ran to the end of the hallway to go out that exterior door. Yeah. And it's 20 degrees outside, right? So as soon as I go outside and I'm in my boxers, right? I'm I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not clothed, if you will. Yeah. And so I had boxes on. I go out, I, as soon as I open that exterior aluminum door, uh, steel door, whatever, it opens up and it's that blast of cold hits me and I lean my head out, nothing's on fire. Right. There's nothing there. Have you ever done any research to see if there was a building there at one point prior? Yeah. Yeah. So after, yeah, so that was my experience. And when I told my fellow, you know, Air Force uh, uh, roommate, you know, dorm mates and stuff, they said, oh, man, you, you know, once you start comparing stories, it's, it's crazy what people start telling you, you know, about their situation. One guy down the hall for me, he was probably four doors down on the other end of the dorm. He had a, uh, a British officer screaming at him while he was asleep in his bed, screaming at him to wake up and was throwing weapons onto the bed to get him ready, saying that they'd been bombed. And then some of the girls that lived in the dorms had situations where they were creeped out by, you know, I'll call it, you know, ghosts or bodies, you know, just intimidating feet. This isn't Casper type ghosts, right? These are, these aren't floating white no. <laughs> ghosts or something. They're not usually. These are creepier than that. This was like kind of just a, a strange, unexplainable kind of spirit that clearly has a shape that's human, but not easily understood, at least not by me, right? So, Phil? Yeah. Was it generally the same entity no, that everybody was it, experiencing? No, it wasn't the same entity, no. No, it wasn't. It was all, It was lots of different types of... It was all military-type figures and uh, run-ins and situations. Um, and so what was explained to me was that REF Upwood is in it... It's to this day, I mean, there's... there's I didn't know it at the time, but at the time, you know, but, but after that people, uh, publicized, uh, reports of books and stuff that were written about evil spirits there. So apparently the dorm where we lived was, was a makeshift world war II, uh, we call it cremation, like a, oh. where dead bodies went, what do you call it? Like a, uh, morgue, morgue. Yeah. like a, yeah. makesh- a makeshift, a makeshift morgue during world war two. And that they had stacked bodies up during the bombing raids. Right. And that, is what at least all of us in the dorm, we were convinced that what we were seeing were either the British military workers or the dead people that their spirits, you know, were, were haunting the place. And, but they didn't hurt anybody. No, no one ever got hurt. Um, physically, no, nothing was ever physically just kind of, it wasn't just one, like, you know, I had two situations, only, only the two though. That was my only two situations. I know Daphne, Randy, uh, this guy, uh, Brian, everybody had different situations, either people screaming at them, throwing stuff, but they had more, they said their, their spirit looked very, they, it, it had features of a human. They thought it was another, a real life person. Right. With that much detail. 
mine was this black, blacker than black type fit human figure. Like silhouette. But they said theirs was, mine was like a silhouette haunting-ish kind of thing. Theirs were, this is a, they knew it was a haunting because it. they said that the uniforms were like the old-fashioned World War II uniforms that these British soldiers, I think he said an officer, it was like a British officer's uniform, and he was screaming at him while he was in bed. And so, you know, at first I thought it just was a weird dream, right? Like, oh, this had to be a dream. And I was, you know, I'd read about, you know, uh, being paralyzed while you're in a bad dream or something. For one, I never dream. Unfortunately, I wish I could dream, but I never dream. I don't ever remember dreams. And so I don't, I don't think that's the situation for me at least. But I, I've thought about it lots of times and, 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 and there's just no way to explain, I guess I don't, I've never sleepwalked. I've, you know, I've never had situations like that could have been an explanation but I don't, I've never done that before. And when I walked out into the cold, there's no way that, I mean, I don't know how you get up out of bed, even as a sleepwalker and maneuver your blinds, see crazy images and then walk outside and feel the cold and not wake up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So anyways, this, this upwood in England is about 30 miles North of uh, Cambridge, England. And apparently this was, it's kind of a small base where it's all, I was a medic or, you know, I worked in the hospital and that's all that really was on during the, uh, early nineties. And then in the base existed before that, but when I was there was the early nineties and this base was, uh, all that was on Upwood, RAF Upwood was this hospital and the clinic and a few dorms. Uh, and I think the, uh, like the maybe officer training, you know, like during parade kind of thing, like that kind of stuff, there was no, the real operation of the base was not all the jet fighters and all the, all the other real Air Force Base stuff was done at, at Alcanberry, the big base that was 10 miles away. Okay, yeah. So present day, there's definitely something creepy and, and always been haunting about that of the Upwood. No one's ever said that, that Alcanberry was uh, haunted, but Upwood's always had this kind of uh, notorious history. Um, and in present day, they closed, they closed that hospital base, and it's just been... It's kind of a graffiti-filled, you know. I was just going to ask you what it's currently space, what it yeah. was, yeah. You know, I have friends in the Air Force that, that sent me, now that Facebook exists, you know, like before Facebook, all we had was our memories and our photos, right? But right. now there's like a whole Facebook page to REF Upwood and all the stuff that was there and people's stories and stuff of oh, what cool. they had happen to them. Yeah. Have you ever had experiences before that or since? Or are those your only experiences? No. Never. Those are my only experiences ever. That, that's actually pretty interesting. That makes it a lot more credible. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that to happen. It was just, I mean, I'm not really scared. I don't know how to describe it, but I'm, there's not a whole lot that I don't think that I think would just shock me into a fear, like paralysis type fearful moment. I think that's when pe- bad stuff happens is when you freeze up. So it's, it's kind of anti to my personality, which is why it was so scary to me because I had no control. If it makes you feel any better uh, while we're doing these interviews, that comes up a lot. Yeah. The, the sh- shadow figure that is so intense and wakes you up out of a, out of a sleep and causes paralysis. Yep. So you're not the only one out there that's hmm. had to deal with this. Oh, by far, if that no. helps. I hope yeah, that helps. Yeah, no, you're not at all. Yeah, it was. It's it's very vivid to me, even to this day. That was 20 plus years ago, right? Sure. It's still, 
<laughs> still very vivid in my mind. How would it not be? <laughs> has goodness. it affected? Yeah. Has it affected your life and how you do things? Are you managing it okay? Or yeah, no. I mean, like, I mean, it wasn't like you know something stabbed me or or it, violent. You know, it was it was just different. And and when I compared my story versus Daphne and everybody else's stories, they all kind of just seem to be a nonviolent uh, spirit. Yeah, spirits, I guess, because everybody's were different. But they, none of them seem to be completely threatening and trying to inflict harm. They were just intimidating. Like, mis- I think they, it seemed, well, definitely intimidating, but I think they, the spirits confused us, real people, you know, current, current real people living with the situation that happened to them in their last moments, right? Yeah. Because they were talking, shouting at a real life person, you know, one of us. And leaning in on me, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, I just, I, from all the stories I've heard about, you know, ghosts and evil spirits and movies and stuff like that, it's, it's, they're moving stuff and trying to scare you and inflict pain. These were more, I don't know, like, uh, circumstantial experiences. Yeah, almost like you're there now, but you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, as far as they're concerned. It's like, yeah, it's a time machine. That's what it felt like. It felt like... There's and then everybody else's kind of stories was like, hey, what's going on? This is a time machine back to when they died or or were taken care during wartime. It, it it felt like you were in wartime. And and I will say that I think I left that detail out. When I looked out the window at that at that exploded uh, uh, hut building thing, right? There were the jeeps and stuff were not our current uh, the '90s version of of trucks and fire trucks trying to put that fire out. It was the World War II version of it. So oh, even that, wow. the, all, the de- all the details were, I was transported in time. Yeah. I know it wasn't real. So don't, don't, I don't want to, I don't want people no, no, to think. No, 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 yeah, we, we get it. No, 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 yeah, we But I guess what I'm saying is what I visually saw. You saw through a window in time. Been from a different era. Yeah. It was a different era than what, and that was the same as what other people in the dorm, and they're completely different and experiences, and we didn't compare notes. It was more of, Hey, what did you see? And they're like, oh, because they'd been there longer than me. And and everybody had their own version of a story, and they were none of them were similar. Yeah, that's that's really wild. I find that really wild because almost yeah. always, uh, when you have recurring things like that at a particular site, or yes, or or a, yeah. a handful of them anyway, um, and multiple yeah, people that's what see I would the think same too, thing. Is like maybe there's one. That's kind of what I thought is maybe there's one or two dead spirits that are just not happy being dead, and so they want to make life difficult for somebody so i would i would think it would be the same one or two images or spirits etc but it wasn't it was all different beings it seems like this place is more of a catalyst for a portal of some kind that that allows anyone and everyone that was there at the time to come through but it was only medics only for the medics it was only medics that lived on that base ever so because like i said it's imagine a city you know, the city has everything. That's what Alcanberry was. It's like a normal European military base that just has everything, Burger right. Kings and everything. And then there's this then there's this tiny little military installation 10 miles away that had nothing but a hospital. So everybody from the main base had, if they wanted to go to the doctor or the den- dentist, they had to travel by bus 10 minutes over to our location. So at night, we got to be very, very close because we're the only ones on this entire base after night, after dark. Yeah, everybody else went home, basically, to the, where they were stationed. 
Yeah, yeah. Everybody either went to their house or they went back to Alconbury. Everybody, you know, the only people that stayed on Oakwood after 6 to 7 p.m. lived in the dorms uh, a couple blocks away. Wow, that's I'm just processing the whole the whole thing from start to finish. I'm trying to decide if it's a residual. I don't think it's a residual. I think it's a portal. But the spirits don't realize that the current occupants are not part of their... That's what I'm getting. Yeah. But they, they're just like, you guys were somehow included in their timeline and became part of their experience. Yeah, that that's what awesome. it felt like. I felt like they thought, they thought we were there. Yeah. And you were part of it. And like, I think Brian's, I think Brian's experience where he was being shouted at is that he got, his impression was that he was a junior person and this person was basically a boss or a authority figure screaming at them to get, get, get into the fight. Like, get up. Like basically, you know, like he treated him like he was a subordinate. Yeah. Wow. Cause I mean, if you knew Brian, Brian, Brian's kind of like a, I mean, we, we always joke that Brian was like a, a, a wannabe Rambo. He was just <laughs> the toughest Texan dude that just didn't back down and nothing. And when he said this being in, and, and you, he's like an East Texas guy that just, I guess I'll say he isn't the most cultured guy that probably has read or <laughs> seen a lot, you know? Yeah. And, and I love Brian. I love Brian. Today, sure. But what I'll say is he, his description, which was funny about his his situation and his story, is he said this guy's he says he wakes up and this officer screaming at him, and he he says I he said he woke up and with a without even a, a second of hesitation he he jumped out of bed in combat rolled on the ground and grabbed a bat and tried to swing at it. <laughs> so that's just kind of if you knew Brian, he's just gung ho. Yeah. You know, Rambo style, everything. He's going to face it head on, whatever it is. Yeah, like the opposite of my paralysis. This dude just jumps up in <laughs> combat roll Springs or and rolls and tries yeah. to take the thing out. And then he freaked out because he couldn't, there's no amount of toughness is going <laughs> to make no. it go away. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. Um, so that was Brian's. That was Brian's. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I wish I could re- recant these in person with all these people because it is, you know, I guess I at the time didn't realize how unique of an experience it might be um, to compare details. Cause yeah. back, back then you're kind of a little bit embarrassed and also kind of scared about being labeled a weirdo right, you right. Know, or something like that. Sure. And so everybody, everybody shared, I'll call it basic details, but not the fear side of it. Right. Like the, being scared. They weren't, they, they talked about the situation. And so you knew something weird and, and spiritual happened but you didn't know all the details. And so all I know detail by detail is my situation. Phil, that was, that's fantastic. I'm really glad you came on and shared that story with us. And definitely differs from the others that we've, we've spoken with too, which we really appreciate. Yeah, I can't wait to hear others. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for agreeing to come and talk with us. All right, well, great. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Bye, guys. And our next caller is calling in from Virginia. Welcome, Gina. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for having me. I hear you've got some stories to tell. Uh, Sure. Yeah, I have a couple. So I'll start with sort of the first one I ever had. I always sort of believed that there was something going on out there. And when I was younger, I was about, gosh, I must have been, I was in elementary school. So maybe I was like second grade, first or second grade, I would say. And I would um, I'd be sitting in my kitchen and I would like, corner of my eye something moving and I was like 
sun. Now what that is, I was sleepy, you know. It was usually breakfast time before I'd have to go to the school bus. Yeah, no, it actually was, it was about second grade. Yeah, because I had just moved into that house. And so I would always kind of see something like, you know, in the corner of my eye moving. And I was like, what is that? And every time I would turn, I would like, you know, it would go away. Okay, well, maybe it's just I'm just tired. You know? So I was finishing my cereal, keep eating my cereal, getting ready to school. And over time, this would happen. Like every morning, I would see something moving in the hallway, like back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I was just like, I don't know, like it's something just in my mind. But over time, like it just started becoming more and more clear. Like I started to see more clearly that, that it was actually like children like my age, maybe a little younger, like running up and down Multiple? the hallway, two children chasing each other, like playing. And so like, and, and at first, like when I first started seeing out of the corner of my eye, I didn't think anything of it. Like we didn't have any pets or, you know, there was no one else really in the house. Like my sister had already gone to school. My parents were already at work and I was just, you know, eating my cereal, you know, getting ready to go catch the school bus. And so like, you know, nobody else was there. <laughs> and so I was like, but over time, I started to see it more and more clearly that the, there were these two kids playing. I, I think they were playing. It didn't seem or feel like anything bad was happening. It looked like they were just sort of chasing each other. Yeah. And so, okay, like, I don't know, maybe I just have an active imagination. And, you know, like, when you're groggy in the morning, like, you kind of, like, you're, you kind of, glance off into like the distance you stare at stuff like your eyes get stuck yeah and like you start to daydream even though you just woke up and so i don't know at first they sort of just chalked it up to that but over time i was like no i see this happening how long did this go on before you started to see them like really see them gosh well you know i don't know i was it was so long ago like i was a kid but i always remember them there i always remember them there until, and I'll probably, I'll get to this a little bit later, until um, the priest came to the house and, um, you know, got rid of all the spirits, okay? So, these two didn't bother me, so I didn't really mention it to anybody, not not really to my sisters or, you know, my parents or anything like that. I just sort of, like, I accepted that there were, like, these two, like, little children spirit things, like, playing with each other in my house. Oh, maybe they used to live here. Oh, you know, like. I don't know. I was a kid with an imagination, so I just sort of chalked it up that. Well, not long after that, I think it must have been closer to maybe fourth grade, I want to say, um, like later on in elementary school, I saw something terrifying. So I was in my bedroom, middle of the night, woke up, and coming through my doorway was a man dressed in some kind of like fatigue um of sorts like but look kind of like a pilot jumpsuit mm. um like uh you know like one of those one pieces mm-hmm. and um he was drenched like soaking wet and he was kind of like walking slowly kind of like limpish like almost like he was walking through mud and he was come he was walking toward me inside the house yeah in my room wow. like coming through my doorway in my room and I was like, what is this? Like, I was obviously terrified. And so I went to my sister's room and slept there. Well, didn't sleep, but went to my sister's room and just, you know, 
stayed with her. And I actually ended up staying with my sister, like staying and sleeping with her in her room, probably, I think until she got married. (laughs) (laughs) Did anybody else in the house see this? Well, that's the funny thing. That's the funny thing. Okay, so my sister, I, I must have been like maybe nine or ten years old. My sister is six years older than me. And when I, and it's funny because she got married a couple years later. And I'm not kidding when I say I slept with her until she left the house. <laughs> and so um, I, didn't, I didn't tell her about it till the next morning. What had happened was um, my sister saw the same one. And she didn't tell me about it. She told my mom about it. And when I told my sister about it, she was like, we saw the same thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, like we were just, I was just thinking that she was like joking with me, but my mom confirmed that my sister had told her separately without having heard anything from me that we both saw the same thing, the same person well, that's validation. in our house. Yes. Validation. And my mom doesn't, doesn't like really believe in this stuff, you know, like, but my sister who was a teenager and me who was like nine or 10 years old, like my sister's in high school. I'm in like end of elementary school. We both came to her separately with the same story. Was it right around the same time? Yeah, I'm getting, yeah, it was. I'm getting like chills. Like it right now, just talking about it because, oh, I can imagine. you know, yeah, because like my, like I thought I was like, okay, they're going to think that I'm nuts or that I had a nightmare or something. But the fact that like my pragmatic mom, like, and my sister and I are both really imaginative and, and she was like, no, it was the same thing. Exactly the same description, same jumpsuit, same drenched, soaking wet, walking slow, like he's in mud, like as if like, I don't know, maybe he was injured or something. Yeah. And same exact description. Not like he was coming at us quickly or anything. He was just like walking, walking, you know, toward us in the house. Her room was like 10 feet away. My room was uh, like, we were 10 feet apart. Um, and this had happened like right around, I want to say, you know what? I think it was the same night. That you I both saw him? I think it was the him? same night that we both saw him. And, but we didn't talk about it, you know, the same day after. Like, I mean, it was like, a couple of days later that my mom was like, oh, you both told me that you both saw the same thing. So where was your sister when she saw him? In her room. You saw him in your room and she saw him in, in her room. Yes, in her room. Where's her room related to yours? It's 10 feet away. Cross from one another or next to one another? Well, we have like an L-shaped hallway. So like um, there's a really long hallway, the one that the kids used to run up and down. It's like... Um, it's like a maybe 25, 30 foot long hallway. And then it turns to the left, right? So at the very end of the hallway, there's like the four bedrooms all at that end with the, with the bathrooms. Right. And so as you're going to the end, hers is the second one on the right. And mine was when you turned left right there. Oh, okay. Um, so right around the, the corner. Is it a single story house? Yeah. Okay. And so all the bedrooms were down there on that end. And, like, so our bedrooms were, like, essentially, like, on the same hallway. It's just 10 feet. The doors are 10 feet apart from each other. Um, And so, and my parents' room was next to mine. They didn't, I mean, they would probably never tell me if they saw anything. But (laughs) um, my mom didn't see it. My dad didn't see it when when we finally all started, all talked about it. My other sister, who was in the first bedroom on the right, when you um, go, she didn't see it. She didn't confirm. It was just me and my sister. And 
like my mom said that we both said, described exactly the same thing. Wow. And so then she calls the priest, <laughs> and then the priest uh, comes to the house and does his priest things, and, you know, does the incense and all the prayers and all the um, the blessings and stuff, and never saw him again. And not the kids either? Or the children. Or oh, the children. okay. I didn't see anything. Has anybody looked into the history of the house to see who, who the spirits might have been? No. Um, you know, we got the house... Um, we moved into the house, I want to say late eighties. I don't, you know what? I don't know if anybody ever lived there before, but interesting fact, I heard, I did a little bit of digging. I heard that at some point there was a helicopter crash in the lake near my house. Oh my goodness. Well, that would certainly explain something. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know about the children, but I do know that there was a helicopter crash in the lake that is right nearby my house sometime before I saw this, this, you know, like a ghost or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I'm curious if any of your neighbors saw him. I'm curious too, but I never, I never saw them again. I never saw the children again, which I was actually kind of upset about because yeah. they didn't bother me, you know, like they were playful and like, you know, and it was almost kind of like they kept me company a little bit, you know, because I would wait for the bus. And, right. You weren't you know, alone. It's just, yeah, it was just like, okay. Like, and it was not like I was alone a long time when I was younger, but, you know, I was an independent kid and my sisters were much older than me. So it was kind of nice. It was like, you know, I'm sitting there eating my cereal to like have some movement or activity in the house. It wasn't like, it wasn't scary. It was comforting. That's neat. But the other dude, I'm glad he wasn't there. I mean, I don't think he was out to harm me, but it was pretty scary looking. So. Sure. <laughs> it was like, goodbye. Did he say anything or acknowledge you in any way? No. It was, it was almost like he was looking right past me. Yeah. Like looking right through me. That's I, I could envision it in my mind's eye as you were telling it, and that's what I saw mm-hmm. too. It's that's almost like you're watching a replay of something, and he's not aware of you or the room or where he is or yeah. Yeah. It didn't look like he was coming after anything. Like, it's not like he saw me and was coming to get me. Um, it's not like he, he looked like he was on a mission or anything. Yeah. He kind of looked lost. Aww. Yeah, I know. I felt, I, I mean, I felt bad. Like I looked at it, but it was scary. So I was like, okay, not going in my room for a while <laughs> ever. <laughs> in the history that you learned uh, about the helicopter crash in the lake, do you know, was everyone killed? Was, Anyone killed? Was um, military? Oh, yeah, commercial? the pilot died. Okay. The pilot died. And was it a news helicopter, a police helicopter, a military helicopter, a private charter helicopter? I don't remember the details, but I have a feeling that it was like a military um, helicopter because we have 17 military installations mm-hmm. in um, yeah, the of area of, of Virginia that I live in. And he looked like he was wearing fatigue, uh, like like the pilot um, the pilot jumpsuit yeah. that you often see. Not like the helicopter pilots who drive you around, like in the tours and stuff. Like they just wear regular clothes, but um, but the ones who work for the military, they wear a very specific jumpsuit. Um, I mean, and we see a lot of military people around here, so um, so yeah. Do you know when this would have happened? When I saw him, or when the crash happened? When the crash happened. I think the crash happened. In the 80s, if not early 90s. I, it might have, you know what, it might have been the 80s. Because I was a kid when I looked this up, you know, like, 
you have to go back into like the, the they didn't have the internet back mm-hmm. then. They had like, you know, I had to go to, <laughs> I had to go into like the microfish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there you go. There's my age. <laughs> and, and microfish for our listeners is a roll of what looks like negatives. Very tiny. Very tiny. You can't see a thing on them. But until you put it in a machine that, yeah. that you, you've got to shines run light the and has a them. magnifier on it, yeah. You, you couldn't Google things yeah, you gotta, back then. Um, yeah, you could. You had to look at the um, newspapers um, and then rely on the you know your elders to say, "Hey, did this ever happen in this area? Like, did you ever hear about you know this happening or that happening?" So you had to ask people, ask your teachers. And then, like, you know, go into the library and check out these weird-looking pieces of film that you're going to put in a special projector. <laughs> oh, I remember those days. I do remember those Me days. Me too. I'm a little nostalgic now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm nostalgic. I kind of like Google. I'll tell you why. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty great. But, I mean, you know, I like you be- couldn't really taint microfiche. Like, the microfiche no. were, like, it was images of what was there, you mm-hmm. know? Like, so if it was skewed, then it was skewed before it was printed. Right. Versus, like, right now, you don't know what's being skewed on the digital stuff. All of it. All of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but so that was the last thing I saw for a while. And then um, I've had other more religious type experiences i would say do you feel up to talking about them well i'll tell you one of them okay because it was absolutely terrifying so when i was in high school i was super religious like we're talking there was four days out of the week i was at the church doing some kind of activity whether it be choir or youth group or one of those things like etc. So like I used to do like, you know, oratorical stuff where I would do speeches about different, you know, things in our liturgies and all of that. So anyways, I was super religious and very devout. And I feel like at this time in my life, there was, there were a few tests of my faith and I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't had anything happen in my house after the priest came, but after the priest came, you know, et cetera, there was no ghost. But when I was 16, I had moved into my sister's room, the one who had saw the ghost before, because she, like I said, she got married, and that was my room now. We still fight about it. (laughs) Um, But I say it was my room because she didn't have it as long as I did. I had it for much longer time. Anyway, so if she's listening to this, then it's my room. Um, (laughs) Mine now. (laughs) um, Anyway, so I I was in my room. Um, and all of a sudden I, I felt this real like cold and eerie feeling. Okay. Um, why am I feeling like it was like late at night? My, my alarm clock, because we had those back then I, we had an, I had an alarm clock and it was, it was one of those, those big, huge green digital like numbers that would mm-hmm. make your room glow mm-hmm. like super bright. I, I actually, I wish I could find, like, this this old alarm clock. It was huge. Like, the thing was the size of my face. And so, in the dark, if your eyes got adjusted to the dark, I could see everything in my room. I could see, the, like, my dresser. I could see, you know, the closet, everything. 
anything that was in my room I could see because that thing was glowing bright. And so, but I was facing the wall. I, I used to, and still like to sleep up against the wall with my back, like turned toward, you know, the door and whatever. And I just felt cold and I felt a weird pit in my stomach. And for some reason I felt urged to start praying like really hardcore. Now I wasn't like a, a hardcore prayer. Like I had to do these certain ritualistic, you know, praying right, right. and like things, but I just, you know, I felt the urge to do that. I felt the urge to like do some incessant praying. And like, so I kept doing it in my head. Like I was, you know, to myself, like saying these things, cause I felt like something was trying to come to me and get me. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. Well, then it started feeling really cold. I started feeling cold and like as if there was some kind of like pressure on my back, like just coming to me. And I was terrified. Like a shove? No, just like a weight, like a cold weight, right? Like just like, and I'm like curled up like on my side, like facing the wall. So like it felt like it was on top of me. It was almost like, almost as if like, you remember that movie The Fog? Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Okay. So you remember how the fog would come in and it was like you could see how heavy it was and it would move? Yeah. It felt like it was moving like that to me. And I just, just felt like this presence just growing and growing, almost as if the more I prayed for whatever it was to leave me alone, um, the stronger it got. And I was so terrified that I did not want to look over my shoulder. I was like, I know where it is. I know. I know something's behind me, and I'm not, I don't want to look. I don't want to look. And so this goes on and on. For This must have been like an hour. Like, I was wow. just like, felt like I was fighting this thing for so long. I felt like I was fighting it with like my words and like, you know, talk, I was like basically praying at it, you know, <laughs> like the right. way that you would you would like pray at something like the power of Christ compels you. you know? <laughs> like, remember like the exorcist. Anyway. So, um, so I was just, I just felt it was incessant. It was like, I was exhausted, exhausted at this and terrified. Finally, I got the courage. I was like, I felt audacious. I said, I'm going to look, I'm going to take a peek and look over, you know, my room was glowing from the bright alarm clock. So I could see, I look over, you know, my shoulder and there was this, Okay, so the way my room was set up is, like, you come into the room, and in the far corner of the room is where my bed was, up against the wall, and my little dresser was next to it. Well, as you come into the room, to the left is the closet, and I took my closet doors off because, you know, I was creative or something you know like I didn't want doors there I just wanted an open closet with like a curtain rod in front of it like hang a curtain in front of it and so I look I look over so directly behind me is the closet right I look over behind me and in the closet there was darkness within the darkness so it was like I couldn't I was looking so hard trying to make out the shape of this darkness, but I couldn't because it wasn't a shape. It was no shape. It was like, it was like just dark, just a dark mass of darkness that I really couldn't describe. A different darkness than the dark. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You could see the dark, the glowing green, glowing 
almost neon dang alarm clock thing yeah. was like lighting up the room. But like, you know, you could see where your clo- like your closet, you could see like what's dark. You- I could even see the shapes of my clothes and the things hanging in there and stuff. You're like, but no, there was this dark mass of darkness within the darkness that was darker wow. than anything I could ever see. And I looked as soon as I could tr- kind of make it out. I couldn't look at it again because I was so scared that if I looked at it, that it would do something or it would, it would, it would get me or I would get consumed by it or something. Right, something I don't know. Something I bad. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't look at it anymore after that, but I knew it was there. And so I just continued with my eyes shut to pray at the thing and, um, until it went away. Yeah. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, we've heard multiple stories during this that, are very similar. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, well, that does make me feel a little bit better. It didn't come at, it didn't come at me after that, you know, cause I, you know, went to the, the church and I did all the churchy things and like, I talked about it and did the holy water thing and, you know, the priest and all of that. <laughs> right. The holy water <laughs> thing. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. That's a great thing. Um, so, um, but anyways, yeah, so like we made sure that it wasn't going to come back again, but that I, I had been tempted before and I had seen some, uh, very religious things in the past, like in my times of travel and all the different churches and monasteries that I'd been to, um, that I'd visited. Um, I've seen a lot of phenomena that, um, could fill up another hour if I were to tell you about them. But, you know, so I wasn't, when it came to religious phenomena, like that, I, I was definitely believing in, I was like, okay, this can happen. Now, I don't know how much I believe about that now, because, you know, I've, I've changed and grown, you know, as a person, um, people believe things at different points of their lives, you know, different strengths and levels. And, um, you know, my lens, my lens has changed. Um, but, but at the time, you know, I was very certain about these phenomena that were happening because I wasn't the only one who'd experienced them. When was the last time anything like that happened to you? How long ago? The last time anything like that happened to me was when I was at, um, I was at a monastery. No, it wasn't a monastery. It was a, um, it was a big church. Um, and the coins. The coin stuck to the wooden icon. That was what? It's a it's a phenomenon that happened, or a miracle, quote unquote. It's a miracle that happens um, at this one particular church um, in in Greece. And the last time that happened to me was, I think I was in my twenties. Uh, must have been fifteen years ago. Okay, maybe. Yeah, it was. I think it was about fifteen years ago, or was it? Because I remember people were pretty excited because um, when the miracle happened, it stuck for so long. There's this this icon of, you know, one of the saints. And um, people go to this church and to this place and they pray, you know, and, you know, it's like, uh, it's a Greek thing. Do they throw coins at it or hoping they'll stick? No, the the coins are um, because this particular um, saint was... um, this person, you know, when they were alive, they um, would throw down coins um, to the poor 
when they were traveling through, like, this particular area. Oh, okay. And so I guess the coin was kind of like, you know, it's just something. And so there's this wooden, wooden, solid wood, like, on, like, a freestanding stand. Um, so there's no trick to it. You try to find it. <laughs> I've looked for the trick. Yeah, no sure. No magnets or anything. Uh, it's a solid wood-carved um, icon, uh, which is just a picture of this person um, who I guess became a saint because they did like saintly things or whatever during their lifetime. We don't worship them, but we, um, we just revere them, respect them right. for the things that they did. Um, and so there's a church named after this person. And so that's what we were visiting. And if you're the very faithful, the very faithful people, when they go to um, these places or to this place, and they say their prayers and all that stuff. If you hold a metal coin um, up against the icon, if it sticks, then it, there's, you know, it's a miracle. And everybody gets like, oh, my gosh, you know, and they all do their crosses. And, oh, yeah. Like, they're all excited and stuff. I can and, imagine. Like, it's a miracle. There's, there's an icon in, in Chicago that cries uh, every, every Easter, like it's the icon of the Virgin Mary. Like there's these, this sort of stuff happens to the Greeks, right? Like the Greeks believe it. There are these miracles that happen. There's, I think there's some that there's an icon that bleeds and there's an icon that cries. And, um, this icon will hold on to the coin, you know, when, when the miracle happens. Well, it happened to me. I saw people, you'll hear, you'll hear people, they go up to it and like, you hear the clink, clink. <laughs> like people's people's coins falling on the ground, like yeah. they're like rubbing it all over the, the icon, like you know, hoping it'll stick for them, and like, and it often does. Usually doesn't, right? Right, of course not. People's uh, coins falling down on the ground, <laughs> and uh, and I'll I'll be damned if mine. That's awesome. Stuck, and it didn't just stick; it stayed. Like it stayed like until I left and I left and people were just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, and I just left. And like, as I was like leaving, walking like away, um, you know, it finally fell down, but it was up there for a long time. Wow. That is so awesome. That is yeah. a great story, Gina. Yeah, it really is. And, and yeah. it didn't, it <laughs> okay. didn't choose to fall until you were moving away. So. Yeah, well, I was far away, too. Like, I kept looking back at like, is it going to fall? I was surprised that it stuck at all, you know? It's like, going to be there forever. I kept hearing the, <laughs> the clink, clink. I was, I was like, okay, is it going to be there forever? Like, I was like, and I was trying to find a trick, too. I was like, is it sticky here? Like, no, because I was watching people do it, you know? And um, I've been to that place many times, um, and you know, because I've been to Greece many times, but this is a little bit out of the way. I've been to that place many times, um, and this, has happened to me twice in the handful of times that I've been there. Wow. wow. So it didn't always work. Well, it doesn't surprise me that it worked more than once. I mean, if it worked for you, yeah. then it makes sense that it would work for you again. Yeah, but there were times where it didn't. Yeah. Is what I'm saying, yeah. I have a question for you. Yeah. I have a, and we can we can strike this if you want me to, but those sure. those two times that it worked, were you stressed or in crisis or looking for guidance? Not at all. Not at all. I was just, I was prayerful. I was peaceful. I was devout. I was, um, no, I just, I felt so good. So how about, let's look at the other side of that. So how about the times it didn't happen? Were, were you, 
not any of those things you just listed? Was there something different about your life at that at that point? Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe it was my age. Like, I don't know. It's hard to say what was different in the times that it happened and not. And maybe nothing. I do know that a, that a lot of my a lot of my experiences because you know I've heard like an empty tomb have a heartbeat. I've heard like I've seen icons move. Um, like I've seen like I the eyes and icons move and like um, I saw one smile. Um, and these were all at different you know they all had different meaningfulness in you know when they happened at times in my life. Wow. But this is hard for me to remember. You know like what it was about that time. Yeah. You know, cause there've been so many, um, and they all, but they all seem to sort of happen right around the time when I was most devout and, um, and in practice in the religion, you know, that would make sense. Yeah. Maybe that's the because, common thread. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it could be because I mean, since then it's been a lot harder to see and receive those things. I'll say. These stories yeah. are fantastic. I don't know what you were worried about. No, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think I'm mo- more worried about the like the storytelling aspect of like it's hard to paint a picture of like. No, you did fine. You know, I, it's like I a, saw it. The wooden icon, you know, like. No, I saw well, everything. It, if you look at these places, so the the church where that icon is is um, it's in Greece. And the place is called Tempe. Tempe? Um, if you tea? look that up, yeah, Tempe, the, uh, T-E-M-P-I. That's the uh, name of, like, the area where this particular church is. And the church is Aia Parasquivi, but it's probably harder to spell out. So if you look, but if you look, I'm sure that there's other people who, you know, have had these experiences and um, have talked about them somewhere. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that in in Greece. Thank you, Gina. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with us. Yes, definitely. You are so welcome. Thanks. 